Keanu Reeves and the blonde guy. Brown tacos. I love it. Thank Is that you. your high web rolling off my high web? You died in the middle of the death section? My socks are still on. It's pretty awesome. Wild Stallion. Shit, I'm fucking, now I'm all backwards. Keanu Reeves and the blonde guy. Trying to keep it a fresh, like a crisp Caesar salad, yo. Broadcasting live from inside the power band. This is The Blah. In this episode, everybody dies. I'm your host, Kevin, along with my super friends, Ben. Hey. And Chad. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast, folks. We hope everybody's doing well out there in 2021. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about the long-awaited sequel to... Uh, long-awaited threequel to two classic films from the late 80s and early 90s, and that would be Bill and Ted Face the Music, starring our beloved Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Let's start the show. Or, or as my wife uh, likes to say, Keanu Reeves and the Blonde Guy. There you go. Keanu Reeves and the Blonde Guy. Poor Alex Winter gets a bad rap, man. Does he? Poor Alex Winter. The guy is so super talented, man. Oh, totally. He's made some great stuff, but it's like Keanu Reeves used to say, like he's terrified that his tombstone is going to say Keanu Reeves played Ted, you know? Obviously, he went on to some awesome stuff, though. Yes, yes. I'm with you 100% on that. Before before we get into this, I just want to do a couple of quick shout-outs, if you don't mind. Oh, not at all. Not at all. One... We we befriended Jurassic Parker on Instagram, and he was frothing about the show, and um, just wanted to give him a shout-out and a podcast high-five. And another is uh, a friend of the show, Umberto, is going to be really fucking pissed at me for sharing this anecdote, but he sent us a message where he was mentioning his activities after a few whiskeys in the world of Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever. Oh, boy. Which, um... <laughs> He mentioned hanging out in the Flavellas, and he was sitting next to his wife on like a 7,000-inch screen TV in the UK during lockdown and was walking around eating tacos off the ground because evidently there's like food strewn about the Flavellas. And his wife <laughs> his wife was like, are you eating like tacos on the ground, man? And he's like, yeah. And um, in a GTA-style tradition, somebody like backsassed him or he got mad that his wife gave him shit about his eating of shit tacos and he went on a really long rampage so he's gone a five minute rampage where he's killing cops and you know satisfying his bloodlust and then he realized that he had essentially reenacted the opening scene to first blood where he couldn't get a good meal and <laughs> ate street tacos and then went on a bloody rambo rampage and then he <laughs> and then he sent me a fucking gif of uh <laughs> the colonel saying you're dealing with an expert <laughs> and it was like one of my <laughs> one of my favorite shared anecdotes that i've ever experienced and it, the community uh, uh, the broader ebd community needs to know about it because it was just the best thing ever gold baby ebd gold so hats off to you sir have hats off very much so and i'm sorry i shared your very personal story on a public podcast but whatever it's gonna be hard for me to not think of umberto as ground tacos now Oh, totally. Brown Tacos. That should be his handle, man. Brown Tacos. That's his EBD name now. I thought you were going to say it's going to be hard to think of, not think of him as Colonel Troutman. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the uh, character avatar. He's Colonel Troutman walking around in a cyberpunk dystopia eating tacos off the ground. <laughs> I love it, baby. 
So anyways, on with the show, but those are just, yeah, I just had to share that. Well, as it happens, before we start the show, we want to remind everybody to join us on social media. We spend a lot of time on Instagram. Uh, There's always a conversation going there somewhere, so please join us. You can find us on all social media using the handle at EBD Podcast. So get in on that. A quick word about deaths before we start. This show is called In This Episode, Everybody Dies, and we all die in the show, usually by way of bad jokes. Mentioning Star Wars will get you an instant death. The Matrix will get you an instant death. There are many other ways that we will die on the show, and you will learn as you go. And all of you out there can die as well, as some of you have already in the various conversations on social media. On with the show. High level of Bill and Ted, guys. Let's hear it. I am a huge fan of the uh, the Bill and Ted movies. I definitely, you know, didn't think about them for a long time because this uh, this sequel had been talked about and kind of just seemed to be the can that got kicked down the road many, many, many times. So, you know, with it finally dropping, I was uh, very curious to see it. And I definitely watched it with uh, a sort of a charitable frame of mind. And uh, I found it to be quite enjoyable. I felt very similarly. I had totally forgotten the story of the original Bill and Ted's. I mean, it had been so long since I'd seen them that, I mean, I'm very familiar with the characters. I'm familiar with a lot of the, like, classic dialogue-y shit, but I ended up actually, like, watching all three of them, which I'm kind of glad I did because I think it made me enjoy the third one a lot more than I would have if I hadn't seen the other two. So, yeah, same. I, I feel like it really hit the same type of stride that the other ones did, and it actually hilariously lines up really well with the plots of the other two and is just as silly. And the effects are intentionally kind of retro in this, which matches the really, really bad effects back in the day. So I I got a kick out of it. I think it was definitely like, it wasn't a home run, but it was it was pretty good. And I believe you mentioned in another episode, Benny, that you felt like Similarly, like it was like, yeah, it was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. Yeah, it didn't uh, didn't knock me out of my shoes or anything, but it was you know enjoyable enough, it was fun, and and you know the the timing of it was good for me when I when I first saw it because it was you know grim and uh, I needed something to uh, lift my spirits a bit. Sure, levity as it were, mm. and this was it. Yeah, no doubt. And we touched on that kind of like lifting of spiritsy style of entertainment last week in the uh, top five episodes. So I totally got that same kind of vibe. Is that your high web rolling off my high web? Yeah, man. All the way down. Now it's time for Kev to shit on it. Um, I'm not going to shit on it. I'm <laughs> going to say um, I like what you said. I wish I had watched the other two and then watched this one. Um, I could not stop thinking about Socrates Johnson and Bob Genghis Khan the entire time I was watching this. Mm, totally. So I definitely wish I had gone back and rewatched those and then watched this one. Um, like you said, it, it didn't knock me out of my shoes. It didn't even blow my socks off. My socks are still on. I think it's a it's a fun, silly romp. It definitely lines up with the other two. There's nothing wrong with it at all. As I watched it, the started to watch it the second time through. It definitely was. I found it funnier, or I was grabbing more of the jokes, or whatever. Yeah, it's nothing like mind blowing here. It's it, it nicely wraps up the series as well. And um, to give it quite a bit of credit, it is way better than a lot of these other 
15 year later sequels that we've seen come out over the last five or whatever years. So, you know, it's perfectly competent, you know, Reeves and Winter are great. Everybody in the movie's great, you know, and the story's pretty good too, man. You know, I kind of like the twist about the daughters and having William Sadler in there is a huge plus for me as I'm a huge fan of all of his work. Uh, But death in particular was a really uh, great memorable role for him, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I I mean it had I had trouble it kind of had trouble holding my attention the first round through, but uh, it's it's still good. I get what they're trying to do there, and and again it nicely kind of wraps up the whole series. I loved the first two. Um, I wasn't like crazy about them. I didn't rewatch them numerous times like I would with say like Real Genius or you know other movies like that, but um, I definitely liked them, man. Especially the Socrates Johnson and the Bob Genghis Khan thing. <laughs> yeah, that's such it's such a funny like two second scene, but it's fucking hysterical. I know, it's so dumb, whatever. I just think you know, there's whatever. So there's funny moments, you know, there's funny moments in those first two movies that I remember and and there was some good bits in this one too, you know. So anyway, that's that's my uh high low level. I dig it. I dig it, I dig it. So where to next? What do what do we what do, what do you wanna I don't know. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much it, really. <laughs> That's it, folks. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Bill and Ted face the music, and uh, we'll see you next week. There you go, Chad. There's your crisp and short right there. Go on out and see it. There it is, dude. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Folks, if you'd like to support us, there are many great ways to do that. We have a Patreon now. In the Carrie Fisher tragically passing away before the completion of the recent Star Wars movies since that's a Star Wars death. God damn it. The yep, it is George Carlin not being around for this movie is a shame. I think it would have been awesome to have Rufus back, but they did, they did do a horse day over to him. And I think they did decent justice to him. I'll throw out an early nugget that the character that plays his daughter in the movie is named Kelly, which is named after his real life daughter, which I thought was a nice little horsey over. So nice mm-hmm. fromage homage. Mm. <laughs> fromage. Fromage homage. I love that. <laughs> that was pretty good. But I just feel like I feel like one of the things that I love so much about Bill and Ted is its silliness, is its like lighthearted, dumb perfect capturing of like the valley dude thing but it's also the like unintentional cameo stuff you know the saddler as death in the second movie and you know carlin as rufus and you know the the musical cameos throughout are really great and it was just kind of a shame that we missed carlin agree and i think the silliness is the strength of these films like they they they're not trying to like you know make you think oh man yeah you know, it's just it's good silly fun and and that continues throughout this third film and i think to kind of like elevate what you just said chad they're not it's even better because they're not cameos they're they were genuine castings but they were just so kind of random in their nature you know what i mean it was like oh well let's see what you know we can get it wasn't like, let's get William Sadler to play death. It was like, we've cast William Sadler to play death. And he turned out to be amazing because that guy is amazing, you know, and ditto Carlin and, you know, ditto all the other ones. So I think that makes it even more special, you know. I mean, these movies, now that I'm thinking about it, like these movies are uh, really special in that way, you know what I mean? And and they definitely, 
there's no doubt that of their cult status, you know. There's some pretty good ones in this. There's uh, you know, Kristen Shaw who plays Kelly. Yep, yep. Uh who's been in a ton of shit, but I think I know her best from uh Louise on Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know her best from uh Flight of the Concords, but yeah, same same. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, she had a she did a great guest part on Archer. She's got a great voice. She's got like the most annoyingly great voice. It's like the perfect annoying geek voice. It is. Yeah, it is. She was great for sure. I need to I need to watch Bob's Burgers, man. I don't think I've seen much of it. I know, it. I do too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's probably a death having not seen it, but whatever. No, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean you both need to watch Archer as well. Archer is freaking brilliant, dude. Yeah, Kristen Shaw was great. And then I just like the Dave Grohl stuff and the Kid Cudi stuff really was a horse the over to, you know, Primus being in the uh, Primus and Faith No More being in the second one and the Eddie Van Halen shout outs in the first movie. Like there's tons of tons of musical cameos, which I really appreciated. And like a dude from the E Street Band mm-hmm. was like the, the king shit in the future in the first movie. So it's just like there's a lot of like silly and thoughtful uses of these these people. Agreed. Yeah, I didn't realize until the second watching that uh, Dennis Caleb McCoy was uh, played by Anthony Carrigan, who uh, I know as NoHo Hank from the uh, HBO series Barry. Okay. He's uh, he's really awesome in that. So I was like, oh, yeah. That was a funny-ass character, man. (laughs) Like, I loved the – you reminded me – I know you're not a huge Dragon Ball Z dude, but like Vegeta, the main bad guy from the beginning of Dragon Ball Z and – just had his like he totally reminded me of the dumb guy from Idiocracy and maybe like a little bit of the sidekick from Grandma's Boy. It's just like such a funny personality for a fucking robot. It's like the uh-huh. anti Marvin, but like perfectly fits Bill and Ted. You know? Yeah, no, yes. it was good. It was funny for sure. That that whole, uh, especially at the end when he went down to hell with them all. That it got it got funny. Totally. Yeah, when the when the character was introduced, I wasn't expecting that. You know who's going to have any kind of personality at all. So the the direction they went was uh, surprising and funny. Yeah, totally. The feeling from watching these three again and the fact that both Bill and Ted's characters are, they're like, they're pretty dumb or whatever. And they kind of fumble into varieties, a variety of successes and stuff. But like, they're really like good natured people. I kind of like the fact that they're like good dudes, even though they're not the brightest bulbs on the tree. And it really resonated with that comment I made about that Ted Lasso show where, where it was like the goodness of the main character. That's kind of heartwarming while everything else is going on around. Like, I just love how these dudes are just constantly trying to do the right thing. Even they're just complete fucking dweebs about it. Like they're just (laughs) such dumbasses. like the couple's therapy scene. And just, it's just like super funny, man. The the couples therapy scene killed me. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> what we mean to say is that we love you guys. <laughs> I and Ted love you. <laughs> that was good. That was nice. And the therapist was really funny too, Jillian Bell. I don't remember her. Jillian Bell, yeah. I, I seem to remember her from something, but I don't know. You guys seem to, to be connecting with all these cast members in a very – uh, everybody Kev's kind of way that Kev is not doing. It's all right. She's been in a bunch of stuff, but the most recent thing I remember her in was uh, Sort of Truth with uh, Mark Marin. Okay. I, I'm not familiar with her. She looks familiar, but... Oh, she was in that movie Britney Runs a Marathon, which I remember, I didn't watch it, but it was kind of being advertised all over. 
I like how we're out out everybody's keving everybody kevzing however the fuck you would pluralize you guys, that. This is a f- EBD first. Everybody's out keving kev since we're on the cast. What do, what do you guys know about Kid Cudi? I don't. I know of him. I know he's a music guy. I'm not. I'm not really familiar with his work. I don't. I can't really comment on his work. Kid Cudi. Yeah, he's a talented hip hop artist. Is he? Yeah, I'm a big fan of his stuff. Are you familiar with his stuff, Benny? I'm not. Yeah, he had a um, an album out um, off the top of my head in like 2008 ish, nine ish, and um, it was like a just I love the album. It's a fucking great album, and he kind of achieved fame pretty quickly off the back of that album. And I think he released. I think he might have toured like crazy with that Insta fame. Probably isn't Insta fame. Like that's probably not fair to him. But the reason I say it that way is because he ended up in a bit of a drug hole. And posted a few years later and was just like, I'm going into rehab. I'm having like issues psychologically. Like I'm thinking about killing myself and, and kind of managed to pull himself out of that. And since then has come out with some other stuff. And it was, he's just kind of a, had an interesting, um, an interesting kind of ride through the fame, you know, the fame ride and was really public and honest fame about what was going on. Yeah, exactly. And, and his music is really good. Like, especially his early, his early album, if you're into, you know, good hip hop, but it's a little poppier. It was quite good. And I kind of like that he was cast. In, it, like when I first saw him, and this is like, that's a bit of a weird call. But then when, when he drops the station thing later, I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah, right on. Hmm. Now I'm going to have to check out his stuff for sure. Yeah, Man on the Moon, I think, is the album. But Well, there's a couple. There's Man on the Moon, The End of Day, and Man on the Moon 2. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Man on the Moon is his debut. It's like it's like a series. It looks like he. I've just I I ejected to look it up. So there we go. I'll just mark a death down. For me. His first two albums are are quite good. First one being the strongest, and then um, I think he's you know worked with a variety of other artists and kind of has kept with the times in terms of style, which is moving away from my tastes. But doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not my flavor. No, right on. I mean, it, look, the only thing that I read about him before was that he was discovered by Kanye. Okay. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> don't, don't let Kanye hear. He's a little crazy. He's a bit odd. I had completely forgotten about <laughs> Station, the alien scientist, and so I, I dug that little linkage. Wait, 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 what? Kanye played the alien scientist? <laughs> no, Kid Cuddy. God damn it. So do you guys remember Station, the alien from the second Bill and Ted? Because I didn't until I watched it. I totally forgot about it until it, it got mentioned either in the movie or I read it somewhere last night. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was just trying to do a uh, – I heard the Japanese have been shot. <laughs> I heard the Japanese. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. What? Kanye played an alien? <laughs> to be fair, if anyone is an alien, it's Kanye. <laughs> no doubt. Shh. Don't let him hear you, Chad. He'll freak out. He'll run over the podcast with a shirt. <laughs> Fine by me. Exactly. They go anywhere. If Kanye wants to go to his millions of users and say that our podcast sucks, I would totally be okay with that. So would I, because we'd probably get at least five more. That would rule. <laughs> the Dave Grohl cameo was pretty funny, too. Short as, but it was pretty funny. Scroll. Ah, it's got to be. I just I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. This is Dave Grohl's house. I was like, wait, what? 
I think maybe the thing I appreciated most about this in comparison with the other ones is like I had forgotten just how unbelievably basic the plot is in the first movie. Like, oh man, they need to do a goddamn book report. And so they travel through time collecting historic figures and then do a Napoleon Dynamite fucking dance scene on the goddamn stage. Like, it's like the simplest fucking movie. Totally. And then, you know, the second one is only a tiny bit more complicated. And then this one is, you know, three different time threads. But similarly, like, they need to write a song, like an hour and a half long movie about writing a fucking song. (laughs) I just kind of forgot how simple plots could be in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was, I don't know. It's, it was nice that I have to slog through a three-hour fucking movie where I had to think really hard, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And I think that, uh, I mean, the beauty of, like, this one, the, the plot anyway, is that they don't ever write the song. You know, like, the, that, you know. No, their daughters do. All they do is come up with ways to try to circumvent writing it because they can't figure out what to write. And then their kids do it. It's just super funny. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny that they... You know, Bill and Ted themselves basically do the same thing that they've been doing in every movie. They can't figure out what they need to do, so they go off through time to, you know, get the answer or get the answers, as it were. And then their daughters do the same thing, basically. <laughs> they just kidnap a bunch of musicians that, like, really, at the end of the day, didn't make that much of a difference, considering that everyone on Earth plays an instrument at the end. Like, it's just, like the entire thread of theirs, while they are the ultimate success factor, the musicians they kidnap, uh, very similar of the first movie, don't actually make that much of a difference. It was quite funny. I mean, I look, I, I the end was a little like, I don't know, I kind of did a little bit of an eye roll, but at the same time, the idea of getting everybody in the entirety of the multiverse singing you know playing the same note is is very cool yeah dude so i dug that i mean from a kind of real world perspective and they're also i think you know you're saying your eye you had a bit of an eye roll and i think they were going for the eye roll you know like i think that they they were intending for that and i was kind of like i kind of thought that was funny yeah no doubt i mean it was like and then you know they get the mac truck the flatbed truck rather you know is the stage and like they they all get up there and it just sounds like <laughs> shit on a stick man it was so terrible when they started i was like oh god this is gonna be a bloody disaster and they're all gonna die <laughs> yeah I, I mean i was i was kind of expecting the eye roll ending you know to be honest i, I thought it was going to be something it, it was in in fit it was fitting with the you know previous endings no totally and it was literally the embodiment of the prophecy that Rufus mentions when he meets them for the first time. It's like, you know, the planets aligning and joining every being together, whatever. You know, like exactly what he said happens, happens. And I think that's like, it's such a clever way to wrap up the movie series 15 years later or 20 years later, whatever. I Yeah, I agree. But I feel like it kind of didn't happen the way that you might envision it when you watch the first film. You know what I mean? Like it kind of, in the sense that it just kind of like came together like at the end. You know what I mean? Like they were like, oh, we've got the time machine so we can deliver all the instruments and da-da-da-da-da and it was our daughters, not us. And you know what I mean? Like I don't, I think when you envision it in the first film, it's like, you know, wild stallions. But ultimately that's not the way it turned out. So the end result was the same. It just, it's different. Is anybody feeling what I'm saying here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't like the ultimate Wild Stallions concert that united the world. It was, it was something else. But yes, exactly. 
but it, it still seemed like it fit right in there. You know, it, it made just as much sense as, you know, it was better than that. It makes more it, sense. Say what you will about the plot here. It's, it's, uh, you know, they did a good job of like keeping you, like keeping you on your toes as far as like, how the fuck are they going to pull this off? Like you're kind of hopeless through the whole movie to, you know, you're like, Oh God, I don't know. It's not going to, you know, it's like you said, they're, they, they get Jimi Hendrix and, uh, Mozart and the, and the gang on the stage there. And it's just like, it's terrible. <laughs> mm. Death is trying to do a bass solo. And, you know, so th- through the whole movie, you're like, fuck, what, how? <laughs> I feel like how it's perfect, this? though, because, you know, the when you see, hear the first when you hear the first time in the first movie that they're going to, like, save the universe, you're like those two dumbasses. And so, like. The fact that this movie is essentially like the movie version of the infinite monkeys with infinite typewriters thing, like they just like stumble their way into it. I kind of like it in a way because they're such dumbasses. Like there's no other way they're going to do it other than just completely fumbling their way through it. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, you're right. I, but I got to be honest with you. I was not expecting that. So like I, I mean, I, I just. I, I thought that they would actually, I mean, there were moments when I was like, oh, they're actually going to write the song, you know? And then I quickly realized, like, these <laughs> these guys aren't going to do that. <laughs> they're not clever enough. And you're right. They did, um, it definitely kept me on my toes in terms of, like, you really didn't know what exactly was going to happen next. I mean, yes, simple, simple plot, but, you know, I still didn't really, know where it was going as we were going through the film and, and th- that is enjoyable. You guys are really turning me around on this movie. I was I was pretty salty on it when I started watching it. I was like, this I don't know, man. And now I'm kind of getting into it. So um thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're welcome. Yeah. Good. Well the first two movies call like climax with like Deus Ex Machina after Deus Ex Machina. Like in the first one they're like, well if we're stuck, like let's go and like if we didn't, if we weren't stuck, what would we do? Like, we'd put the keys here and then the keys are there, you know? Like, they would always just say, like, Oh, yes. What would I we do if, like, that. we actually didn't die right now? You know, <laughs> this is, like, so dumb, but, like, works perfectly. <laughs> and I'm glad they didn't do it a third time, but it's just, like, they're just completely taking the piss out of the time travel genre as well. And I, I, yes. They sort of did when they put the, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just no, going to say go it's ahead. a perfect it's a perfect encapsulation of the of the stupidity. I was going to say they they sort of do it when they put the buckets over their heads. That's true actually. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love the, I love that. Like putting a bu- <laughs> putting a bucket over your head for 30 seconds is going to change anything, but it does. Yeah, perfect. That's a great example. Yeah. yeah it was. Oh, that's fucking great. I will say um of of the two notes that I did take, one of the well, I, uh, let me preface it by saying that um, I loved the various uh, loser incarnations of Bill and Ted. From, yeah, from yeah. beyond twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, and uh, one of my notes was the old man makeup was phenomenal. That was good. Like I, I know that that's kind of like an out in left field comment. I guess really not for me to make, but. In terms of talking about you know this movie, like the, the old man makeup in that scene was so good, I just was blown away by it. It was great. Even the muscle man, the muscle man outfits were pretty good too, man. They were excellent, actually. You're right. I'm glad you mentioned that because my uh, my Fangoria reading 
you know, wanting to be a, a special effects artist, 11-year-old me was, uh, you know, really into both of those. But the old man makeup in particular was just, it blew me away. Like, I, I don't know, a slight digression here, I guess, but we've seen people aged through makeup in movies for mm. years. Yeah, you mentioned and it in uh, the Captain America Endgame one. To date, yes. I'm about to mention it again, yes. To date, the two best that I have ever seen that were legitimately convincing was Peggy Carter and Cap in the last Avengers movie, Endgame, and these two right here. It was just, I, I, I don't know. I know it's such a small, stupid thing to talk about, but it just blew me away. It was really, really good. And the scene was really, really good. And, you know, it really just showcased what really great actors both of those guys are. Mm. I don't know how accurate it is, man. I think Keanu would probably look, you know, exactly the same. Yeah, he's just like a couple of one. <laughs> he's got one gray hair. Nice one, Penny. Kev, I think we need to uh, invent a new category for, uh, you know, it's not the gripes of Kev, but it's when you sort of spaz out about a detail that you like instead of a detail that you don't like. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I, don't, I like where you're going with this. I don't know what that would be called, but. I don't I don't know either, but I'm sensing something. And now it's time for Kev spazzes out about a detail he likes. That's got like a nice ring to it. That's got a, it really rolls off the tongue nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those uh, alternate timeline Bill and Ted's were really funny. The, the oh. prison Bill and Ted were fucking hilarious. Come on. And, uh, you know, glam, glam rock Brit Bill and Ted were really funny. So too. good. So good. Yes, they were. That was at Dave Grohl's, right? The glam rock yes. one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Totally reminded me of like Remy Malik in the Queen movie recently. It was super. They were perfect. Oh, man. The Queen movie. That was on my list for last year's top five. Yeah. So good, man. Uh, yeah, they were just um I don't know, they were they were like all of their versions except for the two older thems were just kind of dopey assholes, really. <laughs> Which is like a <laughs> bit just of a like, throw Why didn't you robots. write the song, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, man. You're a dick. <laughs> that was uh I like that. That was good. Uh, since we're bouncing around and all over the place, I'll just uh I'll bring up my other note, which was I I I thought the opening of the movie was was pretty damn strong. Um, I liked how, you know, again, you're right. There's a lot of piss takes going on here. And they really just, I mean, you know, there's there's the edge of the envelope. And then then there's like, you know, a hundred yards beyond it. And this, the beginning of the movie was very much the hundred yards beyond it. Because they took the whole... My stepmom married my best friend's dad thing and just like oh <laughs> pushed God. it into the stratosphere, man. And it was great. I mean, it was like it had to be Ted's younger brother. Like the whole thing was just it was great. And then, you know, to top it all off, that bizarre song that they play with the throat chanting and, and it was just great. I just thought it was great. And you know, the the great thing about these two guys is that they loved making these movies, right? And I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier already. And, you know, they were, you know, kind of dabbling in getting this third one made for quite a while, really, like probably almost nearly 20 years now. And they're just, they're committed. They're totally into it and they're committed. So their level of commitment in that <laughs> in that opening scene is great, man. All the way through and and especially the music part. It's just, I thought it was great. Yeah, Bill's doing the throat singing and... <laughs> 
Ted's playing the theremin. <laughs> and they get the same dad. His dad unplugs the fucking uh, soundstage yeah. as a dick, just like in the other two movies. Like, it's just, I love that they were able to cast him and Missy, the original actors. Yes. Really, anybody that was original that they could get that was relevant, they got, which was great. And then their wives, the princesses, I kind of didn't put two and two together because I just, I don't know, I wasn't paying super close attention, but. I was a little bit like that's lame that they didn't get the same actor actresses for this one, but I didn't realize that they were different in all three. I had thought that it would had been the same two ladies since the first one, but it turns out they'd recast it in each of the what? three movies. Yeah, is that right? I thought that they met them in the second movie, so I'm I'm off on my lore. No, yeah, the it's they've they're in all three and and they've been recast in all three. Because it was it was definitely a bit of a gripe until I read that it was a triple recasting. So like you can either say it's lame that they were recast in all three, or it's like it wasn't an, an intentional comedic thing. Just like the Missy marrying everybody was comedic. Like it's the Missy marrying everyone comedy. It's funny, but it's also like a little it's a little outdated in terms of just like how two dimensional the character is. But it's still pretty fucking funny. Like I don't know. Yeah, no, I thought it was a nice touch. Like, I get what you're saying. You know, it's like, again, with the piss takes, you know? So having different princesses in each of the three movies, like, could have been an intentional piss take. But I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Could have just been, you know, they couldn't get the, you know. Scheduling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just coincidence, you know. I don't know. It'd be silly to make an assumption. Are you guys familiar with the other two people that were in all three movies? Ooh, no. School me. C-Lab. The, uh, the two demons in hell that are like, is that a robot? And then like direct them are the two no. writers. Is that right? Yeah, they've cameoed in all three. Oh, nice. Wow, you're, you're spilling all your nuggets now, dude. Yeah, it, seemed to, it was a fitting <laughs> time. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> you must have some real real shiny ones at the bottom of the bag. No, it's anxiety. It doesn't want me to snipe I don't want to be sniped. Them. I kind of feel like the nuggets like... Uh, I like slipping them in when they fit, you know? Is that really what it is, Chad? Or do it you is, just it is. not want to be sniped? Are you sure? Because the old contextual nugget. This is me. It's Kev. I'm your buddy. You can tell me. <laughs> Nobody else is listening, me. just between you and me. Uh, guys, I'm still here. I kind of like it when I, 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 to be honest, I like, I like getting sniped. I, th- I kind of think it's funny. Okay. All right. I like it too. I like, I, I do dig what you're saying about slipping them in as they're relevant, you know, when we're talking. I, I think it's good. I like, I like both ways. The only thing I like more than getting sniped is sniping the shit out of your nuggets because you get grumpy about it. And I really, I really enjoy that. I know you do. <laughs> he just said he likes it both ways. <laughs> 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 you definitely get uh, two gold stars for doing a, uh, era appropriate yeah yeah uh, impression it was a good one too and very timely <laughs> bill and ted adjacent absolutely man since we're jumping all over the place uh, this might not land but i i think like most of the way through the first movie i decided that this is that the first two movies are prequels to forrest gump and this is a sequel to forrest gump because they totally forrest gump their ways into like every situation Ah, interesting theory craft. I like it. And I like the idea of Forrest Gump and Bill and Ted sharing a universe, you know. But 
It's 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 a pretty weak sauce theory, but it was uh, it just reminded uh, me of how I need, he. I need a connection between them and Forrest. Like you know, is he their like? Is he their uncle? Yeah, or, you know, maybe that's his... what I was hoping we could workshop. You know, but like you kind of get what I'm. <laughs> Two things. I love when you are lately. You've been talking about all this workshopping that we have no time <laughs> to do. <laughs> And secondly, I love that, uh, I mean, of all of the various uh, quantum theories that we've come up with on this show, this one has definitely got to be the weirdest. All right, I just just, just thought No, 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 hold on. I didn't say it was terrible. I just said it was weird. Forrest sharing a universe with Bill and Ted. Sure, why not? I just thought of of a potential connection here. I'm going to propose that Forrest Gump actually died in Nam with Bubba Gump and he beat death at ping pong and that's how he was able to come back and that the the, the connection through the Grim Reaper is the connection between the two universes that's pretty good mm, I like that that's pretty good I like it too maybe in uh, Bill and Ted's travels they bumped into Forrest and he was like life is like a box of chocolates and you know Ted yeah whoa exactly life is like a box of chocolates <laughs> Not to mention that Forrest Gump creates the smiley face bumper sticker by wiping his muddy bearded face on that T-shirt. And the back of Ted's jacket in the second Bill and Ted is a giant smiley face that is now on his guitar strap in this movie. So, like, I do think there's some connective tissue. Whoa. You just did it. You just stitched it all together. <laughs> it totally makes sense now. Pat yourself on the back because I can't pat you. We do have time to workshop this, Kev. You were right, dude. And I was wrong. And Missy's going to marry Lieutenant Dan soon. Oh, whoa. Did I just lose you guys? No, I think Kev ejected to look something up. No. <laughs> no, I didn't eject. I just, okay. I don't know. We've all stopped talking. It was totally <laughs> I was random. Like, I was just like, ah, well, I'm sure I'm going to learn something about Lieutenant Dan in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yay! All right. So where else? Um, where else do we want to go here? I liked the way they use time in this where I don't know where it was in the movie, probably about right at right when the second act kicked it kicks in, I'm sure, where they're like, we have 77 minutes. And at that moment, there's 77 minutes of runtime left. So essentially, like the last two acts of the movie are, are pretty much just like a real time experience of those dudes. Mm, that that is very cool. It's like it's in real time. Yes, it is in real time. It's a clever way to kind of like do a bit of tongue in cheek on the time travel trope again, you know. Yeah, and there's a there's another film, I believe it's 88 minutes uh with Johnny Depp that's the same thing, like it's filmed in like the 88 minutes in the film are that that's what happens during the course of the film. Yeah, right. Like all all real time kind of similar to 24, you know, like I I like that a lot. That's that's pretty cool. That's really cool actually. Yeah, they seem to take the time hopping to the nth degree here, but it wasn't it wasn't beaten to death and it was also just tongue in cheek enough, you know. As opposed to like maybe the gripes that people had about like a Avengers Endgame time jump thing or whatever. So time time travel movies are hard, you know, and and we we are so deep in superhero sci-fi, blah blah blah. I mean, almost to the point where it's making me sick. You know, like, yeah, totally. This is what we always wanted growing up. And it's like, now it's here. Do I like the reality? I'm not sure, but 
But I like that Bill and Ted can pull off a time travel movie where most others can't. Like, it's just, it kind of fits. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm with you on that. That is cool. I always kind of feel like, uh, you know, movies or TV series are at the point of jumping the shark when they start introducing the time travel plots. You know, it always just seems like, oh, what are we going to do now? Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll send them into the future. Or we'll send them into the past or whatever. And, you know, this this movie just starts off there. So it doesn't quite have the same, you know, flavor of time travel being, I don't know, a MacGuffin of sorts. It's the premise. It's from the get-go, from the beginning of the first movie. I was pretty bummed that that first little time travel pod wasn't a phone booth. I was like, are you serious? They're not going to have a fucking phone booth? But at least... uh they were probably just cock teasing a bit because they clearly were going to. Clearly. Yeah, I was a little bummed when I saw the egg and I was like, yeah. oh, man. The phone booth with the stupid antenna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Somehow that's the thing that makes it a time travel vessel. It's a shitty uh, skeleton of an umbrella or something. Well, it's like, it's like uh, remember the, the antennas on our old cell phones? Like, our, even before the flip phones, you know, but the flip phones too, especially had those like little cheesy antennas. And it's like, I can't hear you. Oh, hang on. Let me pull out my one inch antenna. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of stupid idea. It turns out that in my travels of uh, reading into this, the, the writers didn't know anything about Doctor Who. So like it completely was an unintentional kind of tardisy thing, which I thought was kind of funny. Ooh, they had no idea. That's That's a cool nugget right there, bro. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's the same size on the inside, so it's not really true. True, you know. Although they did seem to cram a lot of people in there in the first couple movies. No, no doubt, man. Maybe I'm wrong about that. <laughs> what did you guys think about uh, Billy and Theo? I was down the daughters. Yeah, I was too. I mean, that 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 scenario could have turned out way worse. Like, especially if they'd just gone with two boys i mean which which i think is what because the two babies debut in the final scene of the second movie bill and ted the babies right. so i think that they were very likely boy babies in the movie they certainly looked like it but i i, I kind of like that they switched it around no i did too that's what i'm saying i think it would have been way worse if they were boys i like that they were girls you know it added like a just a another great dimension adding that female energy to those two characters was great and they they did a good job of being like, you know, I mean, it's a simple film, right? But they did a great job of portraying, you know, being total music lovers and musicians themselves and, you know, having just enough of the affectations of their dads, but not too much to make it just ridiculously stupid. I kind of feel like it was a tiny bit too much, but like it was such a silly movie that it's pretty forgivable. Where, you, where did you fall on that one, Benny? Uh, I thought it was fine. I, I was, I got a massive kick out of uh, Bridget Lundy Payne's, you know, Tedness. Yeah, she she killed it. <laughs> she was channeling something there for sure. It was, and I found it to be really funny. Like it was just cracking me up. So in the um, in the tradition of dropping nuggets in context, uh, Thea was played by uh, a young lady named Samara Weaving, who I hope that you can make the connection. But when Keanu found Hugo out... Hugo Weaving. Yeah, when Keanu found out that uh, she was Hugo, Hugo Weaving's Weaving. niece, uh, she secured the role. He secured her the role, so... Because he was like, whoa, you're Agent Smith. Exactly. Or wait, you're Agent Smith's niece. Exactly. Excellent. 
That is the best nugget right there. You think so? Pretty good. That's my favorite one. Is it the best nugget because you kept saying, is this actually your nugget because you kept saying Hugo Weaving? Uh, I don't know. No. I even had that nugget. Ooh. All right. I, I, who doesn't do nuggets, had that nugget. I, who do not do nuggets, had that nugget as well. But really, my, my note is Samara Weaving and then just Hugo's niece in quotation marks. Yeah. Or in parentheses, rather. I was like, weaving, she's got to be related to Hugo. Yeah, dog. Niece. Yep. Niece. I didn't even think of it, because I didn't even know who she was until you guys just said it. I did not, <laughs> did not do a lot of looking into this. Because you were salty. I did, no, I actually read a lot about Alex Winter. You were a salty sea captain. Yeah, I am. Gar. But I, I, I read a bunch about Alex Winter. But you're one of those salty Davy Jones sea captains that puts Mando under the water in that one episode. That's the kind of sea captain you are. Yeah, but because it's me, it's really more like the sea captain on The Simpsons. Mm, that's true. <laughs> Meaning I'm not really a captain, and I just run an all-you-can-eat all, all shrimp restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> that sells Zach Bar's New England-style clam chowder. Exactly. Mm. Now 25% more cuttlefish. <laughs> hey, just a random one. When we were talking earlier, when Kev, when you were talking earlier about the costume and the age makeup and stuff, mm. I don't remember if we talked about it on the show or maybe Benny, you sent through a link to something, but I came across a video that was like a behind the scenes of the muscle man makeup for that. And it was a pretty cool little video. So I just want to check it out there because it might be worth a, a show notes entry and I'll share it with y'all later. Yes. Okay. Put it on the WhatsApp. I really like the um, the mu- the muscle uh, the muscle prison Bill and Ted. They were just <laughs> they're pretty awesome. <laughs> they're just super aggressive. It was great. Alex Winter was so funny, man. That 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 muscle Bill was just fucking hilarious. It was with the bald head and the <laughs> oh yeah yeah. It would have been funny on its own, but the extension of the couples therapy scene where the older princesses are constantly bringing the younger princesses to either see the demise of Bill and Ted or to see Bill and Ted be complete fuckwits. <laughs> like, I just like how they just drop in just in time to see the muscle bound dudes and be like, wait, what? <laughs> it's just really funny. It's just like a constant refrain on that awkward uh, therapy session. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. We love you guys. I just, I just love how it's just two medieval princesses. <laughs> like, it's just so dumb. It's the dumbest thing ever. They like drop into medieval England and like, oh, King Henry's castle. And then there's these two really hot girls like on a balcony, and they're like, tee hee, tee hee. Like that's it. You know, it's just so dumb. It's so stupid. It was. It was great. It was as good as Bob Genghis Khan. Oh, dude, Bob Genghis Khan was the best. Especially when Bob Genghis Khan is, like, in the sports store and gets, like, an aluminum bat. He's, like, super pumped about it. Anyways, different movie. Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent. <laughs> exactly. I don't really know much, like, what what else to really get into here. There is nothing else. The, like, Kristen Schaal's mom fucking things up and, like, trying to get them killed by the robot but that actually sets in motion what needs to happen and the couple's therapy session and their trip through the time machine also sets in motion what needs to happen. You know, like it's just 
It's almost like if you watch this 10 times, it'll actually be a work of genius in the way the threads are woven together, or I kind of want to hope that that's the case. Could be. But other than that, who knows? Or they could have just gone back to visit their old selves right at the beginning, and the movie would have been really short. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was like that was all in Rufus's uh, prophecy or whatever, as it were, right? It's like to understand the story, you have to skip through to the end. Right. Or something along those lines. Or you can't understand, you won't understand the story until you get to the end, something like that. Which makes no sense. Just like it's, it was just like the, doesn't make any sense. Just like them saying, oh, actually, if we weren't going to die in this, we would have a cage drop down from the sky and like locks the baddie from the second movie in. And like it, like the dude's got a gun (laughs) to you. Like just saying you're going to get away with it doesn't mean you are going to get away with it, but it does. It's just, it's just the most backwards fucking thing. I love it. Yeah, but what Rufus says makes no sense. Only it it's only in the context of it being like a clue for Bill and Ted to figure Exa- out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which of course they don't figure out until the very end of the movie because they're dense. I kind of secretly hoped that old Bill and Ted were going to be like super nice and sweet to them and like they're lovely boys, and then they walk out of the room and they're like fuck those guys, just like they were in the rest of the you know like they were still sa- they were still salty about the the failures or whatever. But alas. I was kind of hoping they were going to pull off their masks like uh, Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Or pull off their masks and be Robot Bill and Ted from the second one. They were going to be Robot Bill and Ted, exactly. That would have been great. Well, is that it, dudes? Are we having an ultra short one tonight? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't really have anything else. I love what you guys said. I, you definitely convinced me that, I mean, not that I hated the film, but I, I definitely am feeling, uh, much more love about this movie than I did at the beginning. So yeah, I don't. I it's don't a shame really you to... didn't have a chance to watch the other two. I know it is a shame, and I really wish I had. I wish that you had suggested it. I didn't. Um, you know, I just like I stumbled into it. I was like, I should probably watch these, and then I did, and I was like, fuck, I'm glad I did. So I didn't even think to. Yeah, I know. I th- I had the thought myself too, Chad, and then I just I don't know. I, I was like, eh, where am I going to find them? Blah blah blah. We got anything to say about William Sadler? I do think it would be worth talking about him. He's he's such a key part of the second movie, and I love their, like, I'm sorry scene in this one. It was just fucking hysterical. It was. And I, I, I think it's worth saying that Sadler really stole the show in the second movie. Oh, no doubt. Very much so. There's, you know, like, I, the, Bill and Ted are great, but... He stole the show in the second movie, warranting him absolutely having to be in this one. You know, and that's pretty awesome. Dude, Sadler at the gates of heaven wearing like a like a light lavender Amish dress over his death robes is like fucking one of the best things ever, man. He's so good in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. That's funny. And like I said. I'm ejecting. Yeah, totally. And like I said, the the fact that the daughters get them back together and they have like they have to like kiss his ass and talk about how much of a good bassist he is it's just it's so good man (laughs) like he goes off on his own and he steals the bill and ted name it's just it's just like the perfect piss take of bands breaking up and people going solo and i just it was fucking great yeah no doubt and someone other than sadler might not have been able to pull it off but sadler I feel like Sadler's the best death, and I feel like the dude that played the devil in uh, Constantine is the best devil. Like, there's just some really, like, 
fringe people playing these types of roles that just like cement those, you know, tropes in my mind. And Sadler as Death is so good. I was trying to figure out where we had brought up Sadler before, and I guess it has to be Die Hard 2. Yeah, yeah. That was Kev, Kev went off on a everybody Kev's in Die Hard 2. Friend of the show, William Sadler. Colonel Stewart. Uh, he is definitely a friend of this show. Like he's one, he's one guy. You know, like I don't know. I, I have a few acting heroes and just actors I really like. And if there's, I would love to meet William Sadler. Wasn't William Sadler actually played by Bruce Greenwood at one point? Uh, point of fact, he was. It was <laughs> uh, as uh, Admiral Pike. Yeah, the, uh, a lot of people uh, that that Star Trek in reboot? Star Wars in Star Wars. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that he was also shirtless. He was like. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Abrams, I think right now would be a good time for me to take my shirt off. (laughs) I just watched Interstellar. I just got a copy of Interstellar, and I've been dying to watch it again. So I I watched it this week on and off, and I could stop thinking about that. But that's a really (laughs) good movie, Uh, Mr. Nolan. In between cry takes, I was hoping I could take my shirt off. I was thinking this scene where I go into the black hole – I could take my shirt off. <laughs> Murph! I forgot to, just a quick sort of, uh, I don't know, nuglet note on Sadler that's worthy of mentioning is that he has the distinction, certainly on this show, of being in a, a Bruce Willis Die Hard movie and a Seagal movie, which we have not covered said Seagal movie yet. Which one? But I totally forgot about that. Hard to kill. That might actually be the nudge I need to watch another Seagal movie because, man, after that last one, <laughs> I don't know if I've got it in me. That, la- uh, that was dreadful. Maybe maybe, maybe we should call it hard to fill. Boop. You know, like a, like a jelly-filled donut or a, or a Boston cream. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. Got to keep with the, with the donut uh, sort of theme. Dude, you're <laughs> – Penny, you're, you're – <laughs> Your show note what? link to fucking Seagal Fat Man Aikidoing out was like my favorite thing. <laughs> I didn't see that. I got fucking such Rolling a kick out of that. Yeah. Oh god, it was great. He does like right where I started the video. He does that same move that uh, Mando did. Right. Oh, nice. Right. 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 The Gokio Nagi. Nagi. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Benny Benny's genius ploy was to represent that move in the best way possible by having like fat Seagal in Russia, just like, <laughs> like sweatily tossing dudes while eating a bear claw. It was fucking amazing. Did you, did you guys watch the Umberto, the video that, uh, that, uh, what, what did you call them? Street tacos? No. Trash tacos. Ground tacos. I think he called them shit tacos, but street tacos. were No too. ground. It was ground tacos. Right, Ben? Yeah. You're implying that he was eating them off the ground. Right. Did you did you guys watch the video that Ground Tacos sent? Friend of the show, Ground Tacos. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, that was our uh, our sort of Christmas present from him. <laughs> it was very funny. The carrot eating was very funny. We'll share it out. What was it again? Remind uh, remind everybody. Share with the class what the video was. Yeah. Describe it. It was. I I don't know what it was exactly or what it was called. It was a. A, a bizarre Seagal compilation video. I mean, it was a humorous Seagal compilation video of him going back and forth between eating carrots and various other items and 
doing a lot of weird things and a little bit of singing and and some Aikido, but like very little Aikido. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was very funny. It was worth it. Worthy of a watch. Well, check your show notes, everybody. Yeah, check the show notes, folks. We'll put this is probably a good opportunity to say that if you guys are all listening to this in a podcast app, chances are there's show notes with links. And if you're listening to it in iTunes, there should be a link to a web page that has all the show notes on it. So the uh, the set the the crazy amount of ways you can listen to these podcasts, whether it's Spotify or whatever, there's a ton of info we put in every week. So there's like any references you might not get, they'll be in the show notes, and you can find them every time. And if you're not using a podcast app that allows the show notes, and even more importantly, almost the chapter art. I would strongly encourage you to make a switch because it's it's how we present a fuller show that goes beyond the mic. Totally. So we're able to share some of the various memes and images that uh, we share in real time as we're recording and for you guys to uh, get in on that. So Pocket Cast and Overcast are two that do the uh, chapter art stuff. Yeah, Pocket Cast is good. I love Pocket Cast. Overcast is iOS only, so if you're an iOS head, I would recommend it. Yeah, check out the show notes, guys. Check them out, because I, I do them. And do a great job. <laughs> it takes time, and they're usually pretty funny. Definitely. Yeah, they are. Nuggets Death's ratings? Yeah, let's do it. I don't have really any nuggets at all. I have one remaining nugget that's actually a first movie nugget. Which was, I don't know, it's somewhat interesting. But I guess the original plot of the original Bill and Ted was that they, when traveling through time, accidentally cause all of the greatest tragedies, like the Hindenburg and Titanic. And in in a way, I kind of like that they didn't go that route and went the kind-hearted buffoon route because it just, I feel like it, I don't know. I feel like that's a key part of what's delightful about these movies is that they're good dudes it and is. they're not very bright and they like make shit happen. Agreed. That's a, that's a good, that's a, I'm going to call that a quasi nugget. That was pretty good. And it was really not even from this film. So, but it fits the, uh, it fits the kind of like feel of my, my concluding, my concluded Jesus English, the conclusion of my feelings about the movie. I'm with you, man. I'm just, uh, it's really kind of falls into the nuglet or quasi or proto nugget category. Whatever makes you happy, bro. I'm just clarifying for the fans. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Deaths. I had a Star Wars death. You guys both ejected, I think. We packed a surprising amount of death into this short little show. Yeah? Uh, We did, yeah. Uh, I I could argue that we all egregiously died in a Holocaust sort of nuclear fashion in the beginning because we couldn't even make it through the bloody intro. I just picture Sarah Connor on the chain link fence in T2 getting like burnt to a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, fair. That would be a great image for our uh, for our show. Just put the three of us on the fence. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, that crazy opening... Um, Ben ejected on the release date straight away. Yep. Uh, then you had a Star Wars death, and then I had a kid cootie death, uh, probably ejecting to look him up. I'm not 100% sure. And then, Chad, you had a sling blade death. And then Ben and I both ejected on Sadler. I can't believe there wasn't a Matrix reference in this. Was there a Matrix reference in this? Uh, you could count the Hugo 
weaving niece one. Yeah, yeah. You just said Agent Smith. We didn't catch that. You're dead, bro. Oh, Ooh, you're right. You're, boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. I like how you're. <laughs> I like how you're writing down the Matrix death so that you remember to say it when we talk about the deaths. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Uh, what? Well, I just kind of like, I'm a, I assume that you write down all the deaths so that you can remember to talk about them when we're in the death section, but you died in the middle of the death section and you're writing down the death so you can talk about it in the death <laughs> section. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of get a giggle out of it. Okay, while, while I see very, very meta. why that's funny, and I agree, that is pretty funny. Yeah. A few, I don't know, like a month or two ago, maybe more, maybe less, I started recording every death, no matter what. Just right. so we have them. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Saves us having to go back and find all the deaths later. Is that all the deaths, Kev? That is all the deaths, yes. All right. We, we sort of left off on you making fun of me about the Matrix deaths. Excellent! <laughs> all right, so ratings? Uh, oof. You know what? I'll go first. Oh, wait, who brought this to the table? Benny. Ben, you go first. All right, so no improbability drive on this one. Um, I'm going to give this one a 7, not a 10. Mm, I like it. There's nostalgia factor at work there. Uh, There's a comfort food factor at work there, just from uh, seeing the characters of Bill and Ted being reprised again by the boys. Um, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it's it's not going to knock you out of your shoes, but... It's it's an enjoyable, fun, lighthearted watch. And if you're in the mood for that kind of thing, it hits the spot. And I feel like the multi-year delay probably worked in its favor considering how much of a frustrating year it was in the last 12 months. So a lighthearted movie would have really hit the spot for a lot of people. So it's like the opposite of Riddickitis. I, I agree with you. I think it did. I did think it did work for it, for sure. I don't have any numbers, but I was... Uh, uh, Alex Winter was on a podcast talking about the Frank Zappa movie he did, and they got into uh, this movie a little bit, and he was saying that it actually ended up doing quite well. That's awesome. So Perfect. Yeah. I'm fucking stoked to see that Zappa movie, man. I didn't realize it was Alex Winter. Yes. Is it out yet? Yep. Huh. I haven't seen it. It's, you know, like a premium price rental. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I'm really kind of thinking... In in true Bill and Ted sense, I'm wondering what would happen if I went back in time and didn't watch the uh, first two movies first, whether I would have rated this higher or lower. I probably would have ended up in your sidecar there, Kev, where maybe a little salty about it because I kind of missed the boat and missed the nostalgia due to my lack of memory of the first two movies. But regardless, I really got a kick out of these movies. um, And this movie in particular, I think really did do justice to the originals. It really struck a very similar tone. And um, like Benny said, was uh, very lighthearted. So um, I don't know. I had a little bit of a hard time placing it on the algorithm, but uh, I think I prefer the other two movies a little bit more. And because the algorithm is just full of fucking like good movies... It's really hard to break through into the five good space. So I, I'm, I started off in uh, the three territory with Matt, and I think that was just too harsh. Um, the reason it ended up in a Matt when I was looking at the kind of neighbors was like Raw Deal and Die Hard Two are in the 
right in the border between three and four, which looking back on it, I think it's a little bit harsh. But this movie gets a 4.1. Um, it is beaten by Beastmaster. It is better than Iron Man 2. And it is in the neighborhood of Cobra and uh, Die Hard 2 and Raw Deal. So it's in good com- it's in good company, but uh, I kind of feel like the bottom end of the algorithm remains broken is another way to say, you know, that it's uh, – I don't know, man. I just – like I listening to you talk about this movie and how much you loved it and the nostalgia and all the warm feelings and gentle sobbing, like I, I got, I'm really surprised that this movie didn't rank higher, dude. Like I, that's so low. I mean I get that it's in good company, Cobra. I get it. But I'm just – I'm really surprised, man. I think like like a John Wick movie, like like the John Wick episodes, I was like I enjoyed the first Wick movie more than the second and the second Wick movie more than the third. I think the same is true of this where like both of the other Bill and Ted's would rank higher than this. And so I, I feel like my my enjoyment of this was really informed by the other movies. Um, so I, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe it's harsh, but I have a hard time saying this movie's better than Beastmaster or this movie's better than Cobra or better than, you know, Nothing But Trouble mm. or fucking right. Uncut J. Like, just the, the algorithm is just full of good movies, so it's really hard to climb the ranks, you know? I'm with you. But it also makes it feel like it's harsh. I almost feel like you're – I feel like the bottom half of your algorithm is really almost more of – it's almost more representative of a five-star rating. You know? Yeah, maybe. It's like yeah. it's like there's like a whole other category of movies that gets up above a five and you know, the rest of them all live in this area. So it's Yeah. You know. It's interesting you should say that because before we ever did this show, I created the proto algorithm. And the reason that I created the proto algorithm is because I was curious what a ranking of movies would look like with my tastes. And when I was doing this initial ranking, I decided not to even acknowledge something that I wouldn't consider a good movie. And so for a long, long time before this show, the cutoff was like a fucking good movie. But um, I just never bothered with, you know, So Bad It's Goods maybe. And I never really bothered with a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. Like the MCU is a great example. Almost every MCU movie was never on my list. But when we did the MCU episode, it had to be. So now the bottom end of the uh, algorithm is essentially a lot of the stuff we've done, you know. So I think I think you're right. I think it's like a it's like a purgatory. It is a purgatory. Films. <laughs> it's like a like you said though. It's like a purgatory of like really good movies <laughs> that there are like legendary movies on top of. I guess I don't know. Right. I know, but I feel I get the. I also feel like those movies are. Similar to, and I just watched this over Christmas, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Island of Misfit Toys. That's what I feel like these movies are have become, is it like they're great movies, but they're sort of languishing in this purgatory pool underneath the five rating. <laughs> they're never going to be elevated or get anywhere, you know? I don't know. Whatever. It, show, it shows the weakness of ranking movies against each other as opposed to taking each movie as its own thing. But at the same time, okay. the thought exercise is interesting. And, like, when you really think about it, there's a lot of movies out there, and in, you're, you're going to have a hard time breaking into the top, even if you're a good movie. But it just shows the weakness of the of the – of the model, you know, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think a key thing that you just said that I I hadn't really thought about it was that you're ranking the movies against each other. Ben and I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do try and number them in a vacuum, but they end up in a ranking, you know. So like, it's based yeah, on right. the it's based on the Dave Portnoy pizza ratings. Where totally, it's it's essentially a numerical value of his particular taste in pizza. So it's it's a hundred percent my taste in movies, but instead of having a list of all of the ratings and me like picking where it fits, it would it's better for me to just like just watch this movie, what number would I give it? And then it just goes into the list at that number. Like, it, it, I shouldn't be looking at the other movies in the list, but recently I have been. So maybe that's part of why the algorithm's broken. My intuition is that 6 through 10 are far less populated than 1 through 5. That's a good point. It's like the 5 is a filter that's really hard for a movie to pass through. Yes. Well, anyways, it's interesting. It's interesting. that I bet, I bet it stays kind of skewed like that. For all time. Yeah, I think so, too. Do you guys want to hear my review of this or not? Nah. See you later, everybody. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's stop sidecarring and get into the fucking... Yeah, let's do it. Finish the show, and then we can chat about stuff. My review is not a 30-minute uh, breakdown of Chad's algorithm. I, like Jarhigo, I powered down the gripe engine for this week's rating. And... Uh, similarly to, to Ben and to Chad too, certainly in, um, thoughts and feelings, it's just, it's, this is a great fun romp. It's a great way to wrap up the series. Uh, this is a movie for the fans too. This is like a, a cult sequel. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I'm not sure about the first one, but the second one, the numbers are almost the same. The budget was around 2025 and the take, the take from the box was about 3840. So I found that interesting as well. Um, I should have put that in the nugget section. But um, all that being said, uh, I was a little salty on it when I watched it. I was like, eh, this isn't really holding my attention. But you you guys definitely kind of won me over with this one for sure. And, um, you know, it was good and it was funny. There were some great little moments and great makeup and effects. And, uh, you know, it was cool. It's not it's not Apocalypse Now. It's not Tombstone. <laughs> it's, it's still great and it's fun, you know. So, I yeah, go watch it. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Nice. Yeah, if you're a fan of these movies, you'll, you'll dig this one. It's it's worthy. Even if you're not a fan of the movies, go out and watch all three of them. It's good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely check yeah, out Don't just two. watch one and two. Like, this one is a worthy inclusion. It threads in perfectly with the others. So that's mm. that's my final thing. Sweet. Yeah, I might even go ahead and do the all three thing myself at some point soon just because yeah, I, like I like that idea, and I wish I had thought of it on this watching, this most recent watching. Um... Folks at home, uh, oh, another shout-out that I wanted to do uh, to um, one of our sort of turbo fans, friends of the show, Funk Bagus. Shout-out to Funk Bagus. He's one of our listeners who is a great turbo fan. And also wanted to uh, let everybody know that the third album from the Rolling Stallones is coming out soon, and that is called Volume 3, Negative Space. Uh, we're going to talk about it on the show probably... When the album comes out, basically. We will be talking about it when the album comes out. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, as we uh, said in the top five show, they did the drop. A lot of you responded to that pretty positively. Uh, so we were glad to see awesome. that. Yeah, because it was fucking awesome, for sure. And that's all I got. Algorithm, what do we got going on next week? We are wrapping up our book club, initial book club series, uh, The Hyperion Cantos with Rise of Endymion. Nice. Okie doke. Beyond that, thanks for tuning in for this uh, episode of In This Episode, Everybody Dies. We love you, 
and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Folks, if you'd like to support us, there are many great ways to do that. We have a Patreon now, and that's patreon.com forward slash EBD podcast. You can find us on most social media using the handle at EBD podcasts. We're always happy to have you. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast nuggleberries. You can also tell your friend to check out the show. What's better than word of mouth? I don't know. You can find the show notes for this episode in your podcast app of choice or at our website, ebd.fm forward slash episodes forward slash 89. Folks, don't forget to stick with us for next week's show as we talk about the final book in our book club series, Rise of Endemia. Thanks for joining us for Bill and Ted's, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, folks. Broadcasting live from inside the power band, this is The Blah. In this episode, everybody dies. I'm your host, Kevin, along with my super friends, Chad. Whoa, threw me off. What's up? Sorry. Yeah, right. And Ben. Fucking switching the fucking order up on <laughs> What's us. What's wrong with you? Do that again. Just trying to keep it fresh, <laughs> like a crisp Caesar salad, yo. I'm Kevin, along with my super friends, Ben. Shit, I'm fucking, now I'm all backwards. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Hi. I kind of want this to all stay in now. It is going to stay in now. And Chad. What's up, guys? <laughs> let's, do, let's do one more take. <laughs> Wait, which order? The normal order. <laughs> For 88 episodes, yeah, you've gone two. first, Benny. You're number two. Ben, you're still, you'll always be my number two. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm not two, I'm usually one. Sorry, you won. That's what I mean. You, you're always my number one. You're my number one. <laughs> number one to my ready room. Captain, I'm sensing something. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Captain. Counselor Troy to my ready room. You know, back when I was at the academy. <laughs> Beverly. Send Wesley in here at once. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. All right. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. I'm craving the blood of a live koala. <laughs> Derailed in the intro. This has never happened. Anyway. Uh, let's. You mentioned derailing in the intro. I think it's a prequel to sack. It's a pre pre to sack? No, a prequel to sack. Prequil, Protosac. prequil de sac, proto sac. I like that. Mm. Prequil de sac too. I like that too. Uh, anyway, okay, here we go. Third try. <laughs> right, broadcasting live. Beedy beedy beedy. Stop into it.